we've learned anything from these past couple of years, my fellow Americans, is that personal medical freedom and liberty are in crisis. America Out Loud Pulse brings together the top experts in healthcare-related fields to keep you a beat ahead. Wonderful monumental uh, podcast this w- past week with Del Bigtree on the high wire interviewing uh, D- uh, Geert Vinden- Dr. Geert Vandenbosch, who is a, a veterinarian, but he is an, a vaccinologist, immunologist. And then following that was Dr. Vandenbosch and Dr. Peter McCullough. But I think there was a very important point made in this uh, discussion just between uh, Del Bigtree and Dr. Vandenbosch. And I want to set it up before we play about a minute of it for you. Dr. Vandenbosch, an immunologist, is describing how these shots are injuring the immune system and making other making the recipients of the uh, shots at risk for future uh, for future variants more exponentially more than those of us who did not get the shots but he's talking i want you to remember when you're hearing this he's not talking about the impact of the shots regarding everything about the shots because we know that the lipid nanoparticles so he's just looking at the immunology this is very important. He's just looking at the immunology uh, results of these ridiculous shots. And um, that's what I want you to understand. So I don't want you to think that everything he's saying is true about the whole picture of these shots. This is a big point. Because we know the lipid nanoparticle does injuries, that the glass shards that are in these shots do injuries in some of these shots, that some of them may, in fact, not have had the messenger RNA. but uh, there are a lot of things, but this is a key point looking immunologically at what these shots do. So we're coming at, uh, at you with the start of today's program with a lot of, um, w- with uh, some heavy hitting um, science, if you will. But I think this is very important for us to all understand. And so... Um, Vaccine. Go ahead. Yeah. And it is thanks God, especially yeah. not our younger people who got late, uh, vaccinated later on in the Odds process are they were and who first. were already, for most of them, exposed okay. to natural infection. So I think that is very, very important. And that is not to scare people, but I'm saying the immunology is not understood. And certainly our health officials, they have no clue. They don't know where this is going. I think for the moment, they're just trying to, to, to keep their pants dry, right? Because they are fearful what, they, what is Sort happening. of like what we're seeing. But, in but then they are right going to say, oh, oh wow, okay. other pandemics will come. And, 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 and when this, this would possibly happen, what I say, they will say, see, we, we told that other pandemics, uh, because in the meantime, the Omicron, the Arcturus, and all these new species are very, very different from the original Omicron. There's many people who say, come on, we can no longer, um, we can no, no longer call this Omicron descendants or Omicron derived variants. This, we, we need to label them with new serotypes, really, right? Uh-huh. They're very, very, very different. But so, yeah. And your solution, you've been saying that you think that people that have gotten these multiple vaccinations you have a solution and that's antivirals. Very quickly explain how someone would use antivirals in this situation. Yeah, well, my fear is, and I'm very serious about this, is what uh, we may be facing 
is because uh, we, um, you know, the indirect uh, effect of the vaccine may that uh, may be that we, in a vaccine, we take away all the immune defenses, as as you were pointing That's out, the adaptive immunity doesn't work anymore. You know, these uh, non-neutralizing antibodies are part yeah. of the. So uh, he goes. He's written a book um, that just came out, and we'll get that. We'll tell you the title of that in a minute. But the fact is, what he's talking about is the immunology. This is real science. This is a real serious scientist. And he just throws the entire public health apparatus under the bus. And earlier in the interview, he talks about the Dr. Paul Offit uh, out of Pennsylvania. Uh, This fool who has done this uh, has approved all of these shots for people, including children. Uh, It's just amazing. Now, once again, two weeks ago, uh, we may have talked about this last time, two weeks ago or so, uh, Paul Offit admitted without reservation, yes, the shots can cause inflammation in the heart of children. Um, we know why. Uh, but here he is always defending more and more and more shots. Uh, and here is the wonderful Dr. Geert Vandenbosch telling us these shots are poison. They're not only are the, the things in them poison, but also what the impact is in the long term, uh, tricking of the immune system and weakening the immune system is undeniable. Yeah, I think there's just more and more evidence starting to come out that, first of all, I think the most glaring evidence is they really don't know what the heck they're doing. So meaning it's not a good thing to have a post hoc analysis and say, oh, by the way, we compromised your immune system's ability to fight this pathogen. Uh, well, that first of all, if that's the truth, that we should warn, just like they do on any other intervention on commercials, you know, could increase your risk of <laughs> hepatitis C or, you know, whatever the things are when you talk about biologics. But it's interesting that they, uh, they almost at this point know that it's increasing the risk of COVID or basically SARS-CoV-2. And uh, they really continue to push it. And even just talking to your average person on the street, um, they don't really understand it either. They, they, they can't get why they are continuing to push these shots. And that I think is, uh, never better, uh, explained. And I, I think this is one of the, this is an interview between two, what I would call, um, uh, shills for the pharmaceutical industry. And this is one of the things that I think it was a very good question that was asked. And the way that the FDA commissioner actually responds to this, I think, is, uh, is again, where you're worried about uh, th- these are the people that we're dealing with on an everyday basis. So I'm going to start right here. This is a discussion between Robert Califf and uh, one of the heads of, um, of the uh, University of California, San Francisco. So I'm going to start right here. What's... One of the things I found interesting with Paxlovid was that you were out there sort of promoting the use of the drug. I think a little bit more than I've been used to with prior FDA commissioners, maybe in your prior tenure. First of all, do you feel like that's right? And second of all, how do you make that decision whether to, because in some ways you're there to approve the drug, but you were out there really encouraging people to take it. Sure. I, you know, I don't think uh, any FDA commissioner alive has been through uh, a pandemic like this. So I think this is a very unusual situation that we're in. 
um, normally the system works beautifully. And as you well know, and you know, noting the, the clinical research as to much of my career has been in a very orderly world of uh, ready, aim, fire. You have an idea, it goes through a translational research process. Um, if it's good enough, it gets into humans. Um, 90% of uh, drugs who get into human clinical trials don't make it to market because the, ben the benefits don't outweigh the risks. Um, and then once it's on the market, the companies, which are going to make a profit on it, um, do the advertising. And we uh, think you can think of the FDA as a referee. And you're right. In normal times, the FDA should not be a cheerleader. The, um, the FDA is a referee calling balls and strikes or um, uh, shots before or after the clock, something I'm still paying by with the NCAA tournament. But um, in this case, we're in the middle of a pandemic. People are dying at very high rates. And in this case, we actually had a phase three trial that showed this dramatic reduction in death and hospitalization, well, over and above vaccination. And we were able to see data because of the magnificent job that Israel in particular was doing of collecting uh, real-world evidence that showed that it wasn't just an artifact of a phase three clinical trial that actually was being borne out in the real world. So I felt I had an obligation as a public health official to point out that the evidence was strong. Also, remember that with an EUA, the company can't advertise. Um, and the purchasing is not done by uh, sales reps selling the hospitals and practices. It's uh, bulk purchasing by the government. So I felt we did have a public health obligation to make it clear to the public and to hopefully to practicing um, clinicians, doctors and nurses and pharmacists that, um, you know, the people who are dying, by the time we had vaccination and antivirals, almost everyone who was dying or uh, getting severely ill was not up to date on vaccination and had not been given the opportunity to take an antiviral. So that was what was uh, driving me. So um, I think it's funny. I mean, he's basically saying, um, again, as a official, um, he's allowed to change what he's actually supposed to do and become a ideologue for something because he's a public health official. Last time I checked, is the FDA a public health mechanism or is it a is it something that regulates industry? Yeah, right. It's supposed to regulate. I thought it was very telling early on. He was talking about how uh, the FDA is uh, just this wonderful beacon of wonderful true science and uh, people trust them. And now the road, the bloom's off the rose. Nobody is buying that garbage anymore. Everybody knows it is completely captured, and uh, he's trying to talk past that. Of course, it's all foolishness. Uh, they have been bought and paid for by pharma, and I'm wondering who his next big job is going to be from. Yeah. that's the track record. Of I uh, feel the same way. I'm not. He just decided that arbitrarily. I get to decide what my new role is. Um, I don't get to call it. Well, you know. Uh, bastardization of science. This is a bastard of science. And again, I think that's where a lot of these officials went wrong. It was, and it goes back to even my original discussion with some people at a university here in town when I asked them why, you know, we were recommending or they were recommending vaccinating people who had already had COVID. And the, you know, I was 
basically stated, well, I don't, the studies excluded anybody that had had COVID from them. So we really don't have any safety and efficacy data on that. And their answer was, it's a public health crisis. It's a pandemic, Jordan. And the problem is, I think that seems to be the explanation for every bad decision. And I I, I really don't think that's, you know, I think maybe here and there uh, that could be explained like, you know, the reason that something wasn't taken care of here or there. But in terms of what we're talking about, overarching mechanisms of a, you know, a lawful society, I think that is a poor excuse. And I think it's a poor excuse that is going to be used again and again. But it also is the excuse uh, that basically takes people's rights in a society that has the rule of law and has them just totally eliminated. So, yeah. And you're exactly right. What's the big point that that these people in their unbelievable hubris think they get away with? We do not have to adhere here to any underlying fundamental principles. It doesn't matter if it's football. It doesn't matter if it's war. It doesn't matter if it's raising your family. You have to, you have to go off fundamental principles, immunology principles that are being, that have been completely trapped to the detriment of all. And uh, that's what this fool keeps talking about. Like, I get to decide what I want to do, and I don't have to go by any underlying principles other than I feel like there's a pandemic that's killing uh, gazillions of people, when in fact that uh, we know the infectious fatality rate is far below 1%. And uh, let's review a point that we made on our first podcast a year and a half ago, and that is, of the top 50 most infectious um, agents on the planet, the most number one is there are four things, rabies, mad cow disease, and a couple others I've never heard of. But number 50 on the list is measles at 1.5%. So this is exponentially lower than that. And they complete for a lot of power and a lot of money for a few people they completely destroyed the fundamental principles of our culture, but also of fundamental uh, principles in science because they felt like it. It's uh, unconscionable, and they all ought to go to prison. Yeah, I think uh, the other thing is that it's funny that he just says, I can make that change on the dime. Uh, this yeah. isn't a CEO. Um like, and what I mean by CEO is somebody that is making decisions that are outside the box. This is a federal head of a federal regulating agency. Those things you can't make decisions outside the box. What you're allowed to do is governed by law. Your funds are governed by law. This is not the free market per se. Um, that's what I think a lot of people, when I see that, I say there, you know, it's, it's just funny that these, again, hubris of these people just think that they can just change on a dime. And first of all, it's the right thing to do. Second of all, they don't aren't ever held accountable from being outside the agency's charter, in a sense. I mean, I'm pretty sure he says, well, I don't know that any other. Well, I also don't know that any other FDA commissioner has ever um, said, oh, well, I'm going to find this drug that I like and I'm going to advertise on behalf of it. Um I mean, just the fact that he was like, well, with an EUA, they can't advertise. Okay, interesting. Maybe that's another indication that um, an EUA is not the best way to have a medicine 
you know, push through. Um, and then the other thing is just advertising an EUA medicine by itself should raise questions about maybe we shouldn't be pushing mechanisms through for treatments um, and only to people that necessarily need them. You know, meaning I, I think the mechanisms they were using were mechanisms that they were at one point had to say they had to follow the law. But then the F FDA is also doing extra or extra charter things, things outside their charter, like telling doctors which medicines they can use and not use. Like the most recent case uh, that the FDA is being sued for is uh, is over ivermectin. And right. their defense is we never told anybody they couldn't use it. Despite what we told. Yeah. Which is a very interesting defense. Yeah, even though they clearly told us not to do it. Uh, and uh, it's, uh, once again, a wonderful example of the hubris that has destroyed so many lives and futures and uh, health of so many. But um, with that, we'll sign off on this segment and come right back after this break on America Out Loud. Paul I'm Dr. Stuart Tankersley with Dr. Jordan Vaughn. The pandemic may be over for some, but millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-term effects of toxic spike protein from COVID-19 and the vaccines. Fortunately, Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at the wellness company designed their spike support formula with the miracle enzyme natokinase, scientifically studied to dissolve spike protein so you can feel your very best. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. This is Jody O'Malley with Nurses Out Loud. Did you know our body is made up of trillions of cells and inside each cell, redox signaling molecules are produced? These molecules hold a sacred place in chemistry because as we age, the vital communication of our immune system to keep our bodies free from harmful bacteria, viruses, and toxins become less efficient. For the first time ever, ASEA brings you the power of these molecules in a convenient and potent form to provide your body with the essential support it needs to thrive. Ever since I toured their facility, I take two ounces in the morning and evening, and my vitality and energy has been restored at a time I needed it the most. Go to americaoutloud.shop and get your exclusive 15% discount by using the code OUTLOUD. So one of the other things that happened in the last two weeks is basically uh, Paul Merrick um, and uh, Robert Apter and Mary Talley Bowden, um, they are all bringing a case against the FDA based on the fact that they were, again, outside their charter, just as we were discussing in the last segment with Robert Califf. He thinks it's evidently okay to go outside the charter, uh, basically extra, you know, beyond the scope of their mandate. Um, and again, again, I will allow people to understand that the FDA is different than a business. It is a regulator that is funded by our tax dollars to do specific things. And so its ability to go and do new cool things is not really, first of all, it's not what it's designed for. Second of all, when it does it, it is usually outside the scope and the law of what it's allowed to do. Again, in a free society, we give over some things under regulatory authority to be governed, but we don't give over everything 
And we don't give over just whatever the heck they want, depending on the day and depending on the circumstances. And I think that's one of the more important things to go back to is these government authorities uh, acted as if it was no big deal for them to go outside their purview. And now as they have to defend that, uh, they are up against an interesting thing, which is the court of law. And the court of law is not as forgiving as the media is uh, when it comes to violating it. So Stuart, I, I, I think you probably get this, but I think the uh, Merrick and Apter and Bowden were basically saying, look, we lost our jobs because of uh, y'all's stance on something you really weren't even ha- able to have a stance on. Yeah, I hope they get uh, reimbursed. Uh, but more importantly, I hope the people that fired them that made such egregious uh, moral lapses pay for it. Well, I hope they, these people do get uh, made whole. But I think that uh, the people in these uh, in these institutions, hospitals, if you will, that fired doctors for taking care and saving lives um, are held to account. The CEO, CFO, and the chief medical officer, oh, people like that are held to account because this is egregious. All right, I'm going to play a little bit of a segment from the actual case. You may proceed. And may it please the court. Ashley Honnold for the United States. This case is about informational statements made by the U.S. Food and Drug Administration to inform consumers about the dangers of using certain drugs. FDA made these statements in response to multiple reports of consumers being hospitalized after self-medicating with ivermectin intended for horses, which is available for purchase over-the-counter without the need for a prescription. FDA did not purport to require anyone to do anything or to prohibit anyone from doing What about when it said, no, stop it? Why isn't that a command? That seems to me, it's, that's the, if, if you were in English class, they would say that was a command, stop it. Um, that is different than we're providing helpful information. Your Honor, the language that the FDA used in these tweets were merely quips, and I don't think that these quips changed the substance of FDA's statements. As, as plaintiffs can see... Is that a command? Stop it? The tweets about the horse ivermectin were intended to advise consumers that they should not use ivermectin intended for animals and that this could be unsafe. I'm sorry, can you answer the question, please? Is that a command? Stop it. Your Honor, in some contexts, those words could be construed as a, a command. But in this context, where FDA was simply using these words in the context of a quippy tweet meant to share its informational article, those statements do not rise to the level of a command. Um, plaintiffs concede that it was proper for FDA to identify what ivermectin is FDA authorized for. It's FDA approved for certain conditions like skin conditions or parasites, and it's not FDA approved for treating COVID. What other drugs does the FDA provide information on that says that it's not, um, not, not approved for other uses? Sure. FDA makes these kinds of statements all the time, and I'm happy to give the court a few examples. Um, so Please do. 
So for example, FDA can warn the public that drugs like opioids are highly addictive and can be dangerous. Although there are FDA-authorized uses for opioids, there are also dangerous uses, and FDA has to be able to tell the public in its scientific view that some uses are dangerous. Does it have a scientific view? Has it been through any type of scientific testing or notice and comment or any sort of doctor review at the FDA that would be a basis for these comments? Yes, Your Honor, the FDA does have a scientific view. Um, it's charged by Congress with ensuring that medical drugs are safe and effective, and FDA did conduct, um, I think, scientific analysis as to ivermectin, but there's What no did it do about ivermectin bef before um, issuing these types of informational warnings? Your Honor, I don't think there's anything in the record that specifically tracks FDA's process, um, but for FDA to share information with the public that in its scientific view there are dangers with using certain drugs as evidenced by multiple reports of consumers being hospitalized after self-medicating with ivermectin intended for horses. Does, FDA, does the FDA have any authority, any legal authority, to regulate off-label uses of prescription drugs, which is what this would be. What gives them that authority? Your Honor, FDA has multiple overlapping sources of authority that I'm happy to walk through. That gives FDA authority to convey information to the public. But here, FDA was not regulating the off-label use of drugs. These statements are not regulations. They have no legal consequences. They don't prohibit doctors from prescribing ivermectin to treat COVID or for any other purpose. Quite to the contrary, there are three instances I'd like to point the court to in the record that show that FDA explicitly recognizes that doctors do have the authority to prescribe ivermectin to treat COVID. So, Stuart, the following statements that were said by this attorney, Ashley Chung Hanald, one of them says, here, FDA was not regulating the off-label use of drugs. The FDA explicitly recognizes that doctors do have the authority to prescribe ivermectin and to treat COVID, or ivermectin to treat COVID. Um, is that the way that your Alabama Board of Pharmacy, Alabama Medical, you know, Medical Association of the State of Alabama, is that how they took the FDA statements? Well, they never did. Actually, I think they were on on the same page as the FDA and the CDC and Fauci and the whole kit and caboodle of them before this. But the FDA sent out a tweet saying it's not horse face. Come on, y'all. And then when you clicked on the link inside of it, it went straight to one of their pages, which talked about not prescribing it for humans. So then, so then in the next statement, it says, uh, if the FDA is merely making informational statements, they have sovereign immunity. Ah, yeah. Okay, why not? Yeah. yeah. Then the judge actually interjects and says, does it matter whether there are scientific views or not, or whether they are just views? And then the, the uh, attorney for the FDA said, there's nothing in the multiple sources of authority that I cited that require the FDA to go through any sort of formal process. Right. Yep, there we go. So, again, this goes back to, I think, one of the problems, and I, I may be wrong when I state this, but 
the FDA, because there's not a law saying they can't do something crazy, um, that means that they can do something crazy, meaning they don't even have to have a formal process for approval. And so it is, um, you know, just it's just laughable. And then one of the even things is the FDA attorney um, says, even if the FDA statements on ivermectin were part partially misleading, the agency's not responsible for doctors losing their jobs. And says, even if this court concluded that the parts of the statement that said stop it were unlawful, the remaining parts of the statement that were merely provided information would still be available. So, uh -huh. and then yeah. it, the other thing is, is funny enough, she states when the judge actually asks, well, how do we deal with the FDA and how are they held responsible for making these kind of things? And so in the most disturbing admission, FDA attorney Ashley Chung says the FDA is held accountable by the political process. That's very funny to me. Yeah. Last time, did you vote for FDA? Okay. No, no, no. I didn't either. The public can elect its government officials and FDA have politically accountable heads of the agency who are held accountable by the political process. It's not the role of the courts to fact check the FDA's scientific statements. That's literally the hubris oh. that the attorney yeah. for the FDA has. Um, so, again, this is yeah. just kind of exposing it, and it's exposing it in a way that um, that is – you know, pretty, pretty, uh, pretty egregious. Yeah. yeah, it's egregious and revelatory for sure. But this kind of reminds me of the uh, federal hearing that I was a part of last year when the uh, DOD and DOJ told the courts they had no oversight over them. I mean, clearly the law was clearly over that the courts do have oversight over them. And the hubris. I wonder if this lady, uh, this attorney, would like her husband to, if she is married, to approach her in the same way in which the FDA is approaching these doctors. I don't think she'd tolerate it, and neither should anybody else. Uh, the deception and lies, the blatant deceptions and uh, abuses of these people is historic. And, uh, you know, she's just a lawyer being a lawyer, or as... Uh, Matthew and Luke talk about in the uh, New Testament, the scribes, Pharisees, and lawyers, the people that determine, write, and implement the rules to benefit themselves. These people do not care for you and me. They do not care about us. They do not care about uh, what is best for our country. They only want their power, and they are megalomaniacs. And it's very, very sad that we have to suffer. Yeah, that is just, to me, um, pretty obvious that they don't have any political accountability. And then when they ask, <laughs> then they're asked whether they get political accountability. The answer is, oh, well, uh, or where they get accountability at all, since they can't get it from, you know, you can't vote a FDA commissioner in. Uh, Pfizer only does that. Um, the uh, They say, oh, well, it's the political process. They're held accountable by the political process which is such a lie as well. So the courts can't hold them responsible. There isn't a political process that holds them responsible. And of course, industry and people aren't able to either. So I guess what she's basically saying is we are all powerful and we can do whatever we want. And even if it means you lose your job because of us being wrong, uh, sorry, uh, we're still sovereign. And that just sucks for you. Yeah, I don't even think she said sorry. She just said, 
it is what it is. Deal with it. Yep. And so at that point, you're just dealing with an agency and most of these agencies, I think, you know, if you go back historically, these agencies goal was to kind of remove themselves from the political process. I think it's a product of Wilson and FDR who basically said, hey, you know what we need to do is set up these executive branches, executive branch agencies that are able to do stuff under the purview of being polit- you know, politically accountable. Uh, but it really doesn't isn't that way. And it comes from the fact that I think back in those days, uh, what Wilson or what FDR were trying to do was illegal um, or was not actually held up when it got to the Supreme Court. So this is a way to bypass uh, just the people's uh, well, basically bypass the law that is written in favor of the opinions of those in power. Yeah, sure. Why not? That's all these people know. Uh, political power and greed. Yeah, it uh, seems to be the uh, way we get things done in our country, despite the loss of life and uh, health and freedom. Um, but I think that kind of ra- that goes back to what uh, Doctor, I mean uh, Governor DeSantis, was talking about in his interview with CNN, which is um, there needed to be somebody willing to step back and say, "Wait a minute, what are y'all doing?" Uh, we're just going to try and follow the science here and allow people to maintain their freedom. And that was against the big agenda of all of this. That was the, the agenda was to destroy all of it. Uh, yep. I think, um, again, ex- exposes uh, their purpose as well as their power. And hopefully... And I mean, that's really my my prayers that people wake up and realize that this isn't the first nor the last, nor a unique reason that this will be um, that these agencies will take over and remove all uh, real power or real um, freedom from from the citizens. It's just too, too much. It's too easier and there's too much money at stake. We are the pulse and voice of everyday American thought. AmericaOutloud.news, delivering a message of truth, inspiration, and hope to the world. Here we take on the challenges of our generation so that we can preserve future generations. Join us in the fight for liberty and justice for all. America Out Loud Talk Radio. For 25 years, Global Healing has proudly produced the highest quality supplements and cleansing programs that are rooted in nature and backed by science. Get 15% off all of our products using code OUTLOUD. Global Healing, giving you the power to take control of your health naturally. How can you improve your odds of staying healthy? The answer is stay healthy with Cofix RX. Who's got time for a cold, strep, a flu, HRV, RSV, or COVID anyhow? Cofix has some great news. Besides being featured as a top five product in the drugstore news, we completed the protocol that you've heard Dr. McCullough talk about. Cofix RX is already famous for a powerful virus hostile nasal solution, and now we have a throat spray too. 
crush those nasty germs before they become a problem. With known antiviral support ingredients like povidone iodine, xylitol, and vitamin D3, you can feel a little safer. For a limited time, when you add the new Cofix RX throat spray to your order, you'll receive 25% off the entire purchase. Just click the Cofix RX banner on the America Out Loud website or store. Be sure to use promo code OUTLOUD25 at checkout. Don't forget, OUTLOUD25 at checkout. These days, every time you turn on the news, it seems like there's a new threat to your health. Maintaining a strong immune system has never been more critical. Advanced Nutrition Company, Healthy Cell, created Immune Super Boost to help you strengthen your immunity. Unlike other supplements that don't work, Immune Super Boost is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed nutrients proven to support immunity, like vitamin C, D3, zinc, elderberry, and echinacea. These physician-formulated gels come in a small gel pack. Tear off the top and shoot it down, or mix it in water. Boost your immunity. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. World-class care from doctors you can trust, all from the comfort of your home. That is One Wellness. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company launched the One Wellness membership to provide free monthly supplements and unlimited telemedicine access with doctors that share your values. The Wellness Company's chief medical board designed every supplement and medical protocol with your health in mind. From groundbreaking supplements like the Spike Support Formula to unique care like Freedom from Big Pharma. Join a healthcare system that puts your health and well-being above the interest of Big Pharma's bottom line. It's the way healthcare should be, with a company that shares your values. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first month of One Wellness. We wouldn't go a day without washing our hands, brushing our teeth, and washing our nose. Well, wait, we wash our nose? Yes, the number one place where bacteria, viruses, and pollen enter the body is through the nose. So the average person breathes over 23,000 times a day. That's 23,000 opportunities for bacteria, viruses, and irritants to get into your nose and make you sick. For an extra layer of protection, wash your nose with Clear. That is Clear, X-L-E-A-R. Clear's drug-free nasal spray features xylitol, an ingredient proven to block adhesion of many nasty bacteria and viruses, and effectively clean, not just rinse like a saline, but wash your nose. Clear nasal spray quickly alleviates congestion, opens your airway, and ensures your body's natural defenses are strong. Read the research studies for yourself at clear.com. That's X-L-E-A-R.com. Protect yourself from the pathogens and junk you breathe. Pick up a bottle for you and your family today. The thing that bugs me about it today, no one's been held accountable for any of this oh, stuff. it bugs me quite a bit, I too. mean, you, you don't have a situation where, I mean, Fauci, the epidemiologists, the whole public health, I mean, to take them, I mean, like, not that I even knew about public health people, but I mean, like, how, what a bankrupt organization or segment of society. I mean, these people are partisan political people that got almost everything wrong. So you've had... And that is the introduction to this uh, segment on America Out Loud Pulse. I'm Dr. Stuart Tankersley and Dr. Jordan Vaughn. Um, 
I live in Montgomery, Alabama, and we have had one of the most partisan elected uh, officials, our mayor, is a guy named Stephen Reed, and his father, uh, Joe Reed, has been in charge of the Alabama Democratic Party for decades. He's 83 years old or whatever, but uh, Stephen, his son, in his 50s, I assume, uh, he has never uh, been a successful businessman. In fact, he um, couldn't even make a sandwich shop, uh, keep a sandwich shop open, um, as I was told by a reliable source. And he has been awful for our, our city. He has caused a lot of, uh, he, the crime has skyrocketed. The schools have, have become even worse. Uh, there is very little redeeming um, benefit to having had him the last four years. And next week, there is an election for mayor. And I'm using this as an example of the, the micro as an example of the macro. And this has been a disaster. The public health, the doctors, the hospitals, and the pharmacists have all been wrong, wrong, and wrong about COVID. And the policies that the governments, including our mayor and our uh, governor even, have uh, propagated and punished us with, it's unforgivable. And so I think that uh, what I want to do with this next, that was uh, Florida's Governor Ron DeSantis, one of the very few voices of reasons, reason the past three years. Um, he is being asked by Steve Deese, D-E-A-S-E, uh, on his podcast about how he got it right. What was it about you that allowed you to see this? The moment that you smelled a rat. So he's being asked by... Uh, Steve Deese, when's the first moment you smelled a rat? And he alludes to something that, uh, and he and actually uses, he talks about Eisenhower, Governor DeSantis does, and this is an analogy that I've used several times, dozens of times before. If Eisenhower, if Eisenhower's top doc had come to him on June the 4th, if his command surgeon had come to him and said, sir, our analysis shows too many men are going to get killed or injured. You got to scrap D-Day. Eisenhower would have rightly looked at him and said two things. Number one, who is your replacement? And number two, you're on the first wave. Doctors are advisors. We do not make the final determination. It is nonsensical. It, it's made no sense. It never does in the Army. It rarely does in the Army except for on safety equipment, but um, uh, really outside of the flight surgeon in the U.S. Army, does a doctor have any um, direct say? But it's a safety equipment issue. This is different. Okay, but in every other aspect, the, the doctor is an advisor. And um, I was so proud of Governor DeSantis. This is not an endorsement of him. We're just talking about what's going on. Uh, at the uh, what has gone on and transpired to all of our detriments the last uh, five, three and a half years. Well, first of all, I mean, I think my approach to it was, okay, you have all these health people, there's a White House task force sending down these things that everyone's supposed to implement, but I'm the one that got elected to be the governor of Florida. And so I can consult with these health people, uh, but I can't just subcontract out everything. I mean, I've got to be willing to make decisions 
And I went back to Eisenhower's farewell address. A lot of people remember that for the military industrial complex. He actually talked about, about the expert science class yes, too, because yeah. he start, you started to have federal government funding scientific research. And he said, you know, given how this is happening, there's a danger that public policy itself can be taken captive by the scientific, he called it a scientific technological elite. And he said, that is a danger. It's the job of the statesman to harmonize all these different aspects of society. The scientific technological elite, they only care about a very narrow aspect of society, basically a Fauci. Fauci only cared about this one respiratory virus to the exclusion of the economy, to the exclusion of education, to the exclusion of your freedom, and to the exclusion of other health impacts. And so what I started seeing as we got into late March, early April, these models that we were given. So you're right, Florida, this was an existential threat to us. We have almost 4,000 long-term care facilities. Wow. We have massive condos on the coast, largely inhabited by senior citizens. Our whole economy or much of our economy depends on people being willing to travel to our state and do all that. So we're just thinking like, you know, we've got to get this right. They hand all the governors these epidemiological models. And it was basically saying, you know, in two weeks or three weeks, your hospital IHME system and all those groups, your yeah. hospital system is going to be overwhelmed. I remember the University of Florida handed me one saying all this. And the thing is, it, they were predicting more COVID patients in your hospitals than any of us even had licensed beds. So you wouldn't even be able to treat all the COVID patients and you'd literally have no beds to treat any other patient for any other ailment. So clearly, if that came to pass, that would be a big deal. So we wanted to take action to, to, to do that. But then what I would do, I would look at the data as it was actually coming in. Okay, they predicted that we would have 3,000 COVID patients, you know, on April 1st. We only have 400. And then this and then that. And I'm like, so okay. you just follow data. I'm looking, at the, I'm looking at the hospital data. And my view was to do any of this mitigation, um, people should just be able to make their own decisions. The, the justification they gave was this hospital that if you just make your own decision, everyone else does. Well, the hospitals are going to be overwhelmed. People are going to be do that. Well, once that was gone, I'm like, well, okay, well, where's the justification? Then you had the Stanford study where Bhattacharya and these guys were doing the antibodies. Mm -hmm. And so they go into Santa Clara County. The health department said there were a certain number of quote cases, but there were way more people that had the antibodies. So what does that tell us? One, it told us that it had spread more than we thought. Mm -hmm. uh, and two, it said it was less lethal than what they were saying. So you see that coming in and I'm just like, okay, this is something you're not going to be able to outrun this. Uh, this is something that we're going to have to deal with. And we couldn't necessarily say it in those stark terms of the time because they're saying they'd be like, no. But the reality was, you had to keep society going. And I just looked at it and said, okay. Oh, and then another thing people stopped going to the hospital for heart attacks and strokes. Now, did heart attacks and strokes just magically stop happening in late March of 2020? No. People were so scared about COVID and what the media and everyone was doing that they're suffering at home because they're being told not to leave your house. And so, and then people stopped going in for cancer checkups and all these things. They, um, the CDC was really pushing us to suspend election for elective procedures. I actually did that for a few weeks. And I'm like, and, and I told, I told some of the people on my staff, I'm like, look, I think we are going to have enough hospital beds. What's it? Like, well, we're going to run out of PPE if you do that. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. So we reinstituted that in like mid April and said, forget it. And for the rest of COVID, even when we had waves, we never meant mess with the elective procedures. Like the hospitals can handle this themselves. So a lot of what was put out in mid-March, late March of 2020, uh, those models were all bogus. You know, I told Trump at the time about the, about the um, um, guy from uh, Imperial College. I told him, I said, this is flawed because people were pointing it out on the Internet. And he called Burks in. It's like, Debbie, you know, the, the, these models. And Debbie's like, oh, but Burks is like, well, you know, they're not always accurate. But 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 and but he said, you know, you can't you can't open the governors. If they try to open, we're going to try to close them. He, he attacked Brian Kemp on all that. But I told him personally that those were flawed models and they really were. And I think the thing that bugs me about it today, no one's been held accountable for any of this. Oh, stuff. It bugs me quite a bit. I mean, you, you don't have a situation where, I mean, Fauci, the epidemiologist, the whole public health. I mean. 
to take them. I mean, like, not that I even knew about public health people, but I mean, like, what a bankrupt organization or segment of society. I mean, these people are partisan political people that got almost everything wrong. So you've had no accountability, but you've had a lot of destruction in people's lives. And yes, in Iowa, not as much in Florida, not as much because you had different policies. But kids got locked out of school for a year. There were people that were not able to see their loved ones in some of the most uh, sensitive times in life. And that wasn't government. That was hospitals were doing that. They were keeping people out. So it was um, the costs were not things that people wanted to talk about. And as a leader, I just think you had to do that. Amen. And if you make mistakes, you admit it. You made some mistakes. I saw you apologize to people. We made mistakes. Should have done some. Well, on the nursing homes, for example. So real quick, because we're against the break. Well, we shut we shut down the nursing homes because we didn't want all these seniors to die, and that's fine for a week or two, maybe three. But as that drug on, these people didn't have connection. It hurt families. And so I said, I have people coming to me. I'm like, I can't be, I can't, I have to have the human connection. But it was something that, that really got to me because, you know, you're keeping people apart. And so we said, you know what, you have a right to visit your loved one in a nursing home. And we made sure to reverse that and ensure that people have visitation rights in the nursing homes. That is so fundamental. No, this is Germany. But the whole, who benefited? Who benefited? That's what we got to be asking. We have won. Our side has been right all along. They have been wrong all along. There's no, I don't know of anything in my lifetime where it's been so crystal clear about such a major issue. From the outset, they have been wrong, wrong, and wrong. From the outset, we have been cautious, thoughtful, introspective, looking at the data. They refused to dialogue. We sought it time and time and time again. We still seek it. They refused. Who benefited? The autocrats. So people like Stephen Reed, um, Joe Biden, Fauci, the Pfizer's, Moderna's, uh, the DOD of the world, all to the detriment of the uh, free human citizen of our country. And the world at large has been injured irreparably in several ways. Um, all of this could have been avoided. Yep. Had the preachers, priests, and rabbis been doing their job before this, we would not have had the deep state, these real uh, well positioned fools to destroy so much life and liberty. Um, remember, our country is founded um, for life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And all three of those have been squelched to a large degree, to an historic degree, the last three and a half years. And like they just said, where is their accountability? Where is the preacher who supported all these lies, who maybe was actually bought off by the federal government? There will be an accounting. There will be. I am 100% convicted that there will be an accounting. And I hope these uh, these people have, who have acted so foolishly and supported such tyrannical policies that they uh, repent. So that was uh, Governor Ron DeSantis, and uh, it was very insightful. Uh, I think he was right al- all along. Uh, there were some governors that did things better than others, but uh, other than the South Dakota, I think, uh, Nome uh, is her name, the governor, Nome. Um, 
I might have that wrong, uh, but uh, she did it probably the best, but right behind her, a close second would be Ron DeSantis of Florida. And look at the results. People are moving to his state and out of the uh, totalitarian state of California in droves. Uh, we've never seen anything like this. It is uh, still a free country, so the people can move, unlike other communist countries like in Cuba, where you have to get permission to move. Or Russia, or any communist country. You, get to get, you are owned by the state. You don't have freedom. Well, that's what these autocrats have supported all along. Even Fauci wished we would be, we had the authority to do things like China, the Chinese virus. And um, it's just amazing. The foolishness all around and the lack of repentance. Why do you reckon that is? Well, I think it's because our preachers, priests, and rabbis have never trained us the last 50 years on what it is. They've never shown us what it is. So with the end of this segment, I'll ask you one question. I'll leave you with one question, and that is, when was the last time somebody in our country publicly repented? Let's say since Chuck Colson 50 years ago. Yep. Very important question. I think it's the question of our time. God bless. This is Dr. Stuart Tankersley with Dr. Jordan Vaughn on America Out Loud Pulse. Always one beat ahead.